to Law Enforcement Today, the podcast. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. I'm a radio broadcaster and also retired Baltimore police sergeant. In every Law Enforcement Today podcast, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Be sure to check out our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and please take the time to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. This episode of Law Enforcement Today brought to you by Galls.com. We're thrilled to have them on board, sponsoring episodes of our podcast and radio show, sponsoring our app, lots Everything, of great things. Jay. And you know me, my big feeling is, is support those who support law enforcement. And Galls has stepped up to the plate. They're supporting us, and we need to support them. And they've been in business for 50 years. 50 years serving first responders and law enforcement community. They're industry leaders. They've got a huge online catalog, everything you could ever want. You know, you always uh, hear about the word Galls. Uh, we spoke about this years ago. I was ordering from them at a catalog and didn't even know who they are. And now we know who they are. And again, like you said, 50 years in business. Goals.com. Check them out. Their catalog is spectacular. Everything for even like a retired guy like me to active guy like Robert. Men, women, they've got everything you could ever need between tactical gear, clothing, footwear, badges, handcuff keys. They've got everything. Also, be sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Joining us from somewhere in the great, is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts the or the state? It's a commonwealth. It's a commonwealth. So uh, are you near Harvard? You have your car parked in the yard? Did I just say it right? I don't know. Boston's got to be different, or Massachusetts got to be different. Joining us, Karen Solomon. Karen Rodwell Solomon from Honor Them. Karen, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. And we do hear a little bit of your New England, Massachusetts, Boston accent. That's all right. My wife is from Connecticut, and she swears she doesn't have an accent, but she does. I try to tone it down when I do interviews. So. <laughs> You're all right. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereabouts in Massachusetts are you calling us from? Worcester. See, I can't even pronounce oh, that wow. the right that way. Sounds like some sauce. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Worcestershire. <laughs> no, but that's just my, uh, you know. <laughs> I always watch Wicked Tuna at a Gloucester. And they had the wicked pissa and all these other. So I, I think I've got the lingo down. Uh, tell us about your. You're really involved in an organization and an effort that's near and dear to my heart. And you call it Honor Them. Tell us what Honor Them is all about. So Honor Them is really. It's 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 quite simple. It is an initiative to get people to see what the level of suicides in law enforcement really are at. Basically, you know, we talk about suicide, we talk about 22 military suicides a day, we talk about suicide among the general public, but what we're not seeing is the suicides that occur among first responders, and specifically for me, corrections and police officers. So they're the law enforcement umbrella. So what happens is typically an officer may kill himself by suicide, and what the chief or his department may not agree with it, so they sweep it under the rug. It's a unknown cause of death, and, and we don't get any kind of visibility into it. Some departments have been fantastic about coming right out and saying our officer killed himself, we have to deal with this, We have to, it's an issue, but a lot of them don't. So we're kind of at that, that crossing point now 
because it's becoming more prominent in society as a whole, but we're not talking about the effect that a law enforcement career has on officers. So what we're trying to do is, with the family's permission, we are putting their names and faces on our website, and we're honoring their service. We are not honoring the way they died. We are saying, these guys served your community, and they deserve to be recognized just as much as the guy who died in a car accident on duty or who had a heart attack on duty or, you know, whatever the other causes of death on duty are, their their death most times is a direct result of of the post-traumatic stress or the depression that they've suffered as a result of their job. So so we want to bring that to people's attention. And the old saying that we've had in law enforcement for a long time with uh, fallen officers, it's not how they died. It's how they lived their lives that made them heroes. And if we really, really do believe that, we should be using the same frame of mind when we talk about these officers who died as a result of PTSD, depression, all the things that come along with it via suicide. It's how they lived their lives that made them heroic. Thank you. I say that all the time. I, I do. And, and and I truly believe it because you're right. Because the guy that, um, you know, I talked to an officer over the weekend, his, his wife had contacted me and, and he was having trouble and they needed to find some resources. And that's another big problem is people don't know where to look for resources. So we gave them some information, where to get started, and found them some help. And I said, what exactly triggered this? And she said it was a combination of things. She said it was a combination of uh, there was an there was an incident where his partner, somebody had beaten his partner almost to death. And this officer had picked up his gun and was about to shoot the um, perpetrator, but the perpetrator stopped and put his hands up. So they, you know, they took him into custody, but but the officer lost his sight. Um, and he never came back to work, so that's a big trauma for him. So then this officer, after he lost his partner, you know, to to, you know, injuries on duty, he was then involved in an accident where there were literally body parts on the road. So you're you're compounding. There was three incidents throughout his career, and the last one he just. It was more than he could handle, and he's still working. He's getting help, but he just, it, it comes to that point in your career where the career is what's causing it, and you can only sustain so much trauma. And and one person said to me recently, well, you can't prove that, that this happened to them on the job. And I said, well, you can't prove the heart attack happened on the job either, yet you honor that death as a line-of-duty death. I said, so at, at some point, whether whether somebody was abused as a child or whatever their issues are, there is a breaking point. And, and nine times out of ten, that breaking point comes as a result of something they saw on the job. If they weren't a cop, they wouldn't have broken. So to me, it's, it's all the same. It's, it's all the same. Why is it, in your opinion, that we don't, I say we as society as a whole, doesn't have the same negative opinion when it happens to a military veteran, comes back from uh, armed conflict, is struggling and has these same issues. They don't seem to have the same negative mindset or, or prejudging the taboo. Of, of what happened, saying, I've never heard someone say, okay, this veteran, well, you can't prove that those things happen as a result of being in Afghanistan or Somalia or Iraq, but yet we deal with police officers all the time. You know, that's a good question, and that's interesting because I've never thought of it that way before. 
I think what happens is we send soldiers off to war, and, and we say we're sending them off to war. So you, when you think of war, you think of Vietnam, you think of World War One, World War Two, you think of Nazis, you think of all these horrible images that you've seen through your lifetime of war. So intuitively, we believe that war is this horrible, horrible thing. Intuitively, nowadays, we believe that police are these horrible people, and they're the ones who are perpetrating these crimes on others. So that's that's one thing. We're, we're thinking that they're not going out to war. They're going out, driving their cruiser around, getting a donut. How hard can that be, right? We're not thinking this guy goes to the scene of a domestic violence. This guy goes to a scene where somebody blew their head off, and he's going to pick the brains up off the floor. We're not thinking, you know, an EMS, they go through the same thing. They go there. They're trying to save these people's lives. So I don't think that we intuitively think that policing is a war or it's destructive or it's an ugly profession. It, it really is. If if you send somebody on a ride along in, in one of the worst neighborhoods in your town, you're going to see stuff that you're going to wish you never did. And you can't sustain that every single day. So to expect police officers who are really human to sustain the same kind of trauma every day is really, it, it's, it's not something that um, we should take so lightly. No. And it, people think that uh, because it's here at home, it's in our country, that every, everybody's neighborhood is like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And it's not yeah. like that. A lot of the world is not like that. A lot of what our own neighborhoods, even the best neighborhoods, horrific, unimaginable violence happens inside people's mm-hmm. homes. And it happens, these officers see it every day. Every day. The EMTs, they see it every, everything they go through is bad. And don't get me wrong, it's not as if, you know, my husband goes out every single day and sees a dead body because he doesn't. But again, we don't know what is going to be the last straw for these individuals. You know, is it going to be one dead body? Is it going to be two? Is it going to be three? Is it going to be one abused child? Is it going to be an abuse? You know, you don't know what that trigger is going to be. So you can say, well, you know, we did the psychological testing. They should be fine. Says says who? You know, life is a series of events and you change with every event. So to, to expect an individual to look at all of this trauma every day and just brush it off is, again, it's not realistic. No. How did you get involved with a subject such as police or first responder suicide? It's a long story, but I'll make it as short as I can. What happened was immediately after Ferguson, I got very frustrated with the anti-police rhetoric, and I wrote a book about police. It was supposed to be a feel-good book, and uh, it was called Hearts Beneath the Badge. And as a result of that, officers started contacting me and going, well, you know, you told these great stories about good things that happened to us. What about all the bad things that happened? I said, okay, fine, tell me. And and I started hearing all these stories, and I started writing them. And then that was my second book, The Price They Pay. And then what happened was the, there was a story in my book about an officer who was at the scene of a fire, and and. And it literally was the last story, the last straw for me, the last story I could hear. Like, I emotionally broke down because I I, I couldn't believe these things that I was hearing. And when you hear so many officers tell these stories and you you hear the pain in their voice, you realize how much they're affected. And many of them told me they were suicidal. And, And this wasn't the track that I set out on. It certainly wasn't. I had no idea when I started this a few years ago it would get this far. But I realized that these officers didn't know who to reach out to for help. 
I realized that they were being ignored, that their service wasn't being honored, that their families sometimes had no means of support after they died. They don't get benefits. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to see what I can do. And, and I just started looking for resources around the country to help them find help so so they could get the help they need so they're not suicidal. And I mean, I've had my own mental health issues in the past, so I know how powerful the mind is. And I recently said to my husband, I said, you know, I'm not in a position yet where I can tell my story, but I want others to be in a position where they can tell theirs, you know, and they can help others. So it just kind of became a personal vendetta, really, for me. Um, again, I, I didn't intend to go down this path, but I, I often believe in you end up where you're supposed to be. So I, I really think this is this is where I'm supposed to be, to, to get this help moving, you know, and help other people so they can become engaged and they can take this to the next level. We, Robert and I, and I, can't, I shouldn't speak for him, we all know that suicide, mental illness or PTSD, and I don't like that term, to be honest with you, mental illness when it referring to PTSD, I consider it a brain injury. The depression, the isolation that goes along with that, we know that this has been a problem for a very, very long time, for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, in active law enforcement officers, we tend to hear more often about those suicides, and rarely do we hear about the retirees. And I have a feeling, just from my own, my own experience and my thought process, that it's a bigger problem for retirees than actors. You have a man or a woman who's been a, a police for a long time, and it's the last big coping mechanism. They retire, and then they're isolated away from everybody. And next thing you know, they're drinking more. All these other negative things are coming up, and that seems to be happening way too often. How big a problem do you think that is, and is it underreported? I think it's underreported for a couple reasons. Um, I've been working with Badge of Life. They've been collecting suicide data, you know, I think it's since 2009, and they collect it every few years. They've got some pretty strict criteria around retirement, and after a certain number of years of retirement, they won't count it in their number as a suicide. Because, I mean, they, it's, it's obviously a suicide, but they're not convinced that it's part of the job, so they, they, they have this, this restriction on how long you need to be retired. And, and we've agreed that, to disagree on that, because I believe that when an officer retires, it, it's normally a loss of their coping, it's a loss of their identity, it's a loss of their purpose in life, it's a loss of, you know, this adrenaline they've had their entire life. There's many things that happen when they retire, and coming down from that, it's very difficult. So whether it's a year, two years, or five years, again, I, I don't know if that guy heads to the beach, he sees a kid almost drown, it sets him off, it's five years after he retired, it reminds him of something in his career, and he kills himself as a result. So I'm not in any position to say, I believe if they wore the badge, uh, they should be counted. So that said, it's underreported because, number one, people aren't counting it. Number two, once they retire, who's checking in with them, who's reporting to us that they've they've died by suicide. I talked to a chief this week, actually today, his officer died by suicide this weekend, and he told me that they had a retiree two years ago that died by suicide. And again, it was not something I'd heard of yet. So right now, our numbers for last year, 2016, we had 139 officers. I had 13 of them were retired, so it's about 10%. But I suspect it's much higher because we're not keeping track of it. Thank you very much. I, I do have a couple I'm going to touch on 
that happened in the last five years. I'm retired from the Baltimore Police Department, and this has become kind of a cause for me because of these these two in particular. The most recent, I'm not going to give his name. He was an active duty officer. Uh, he was, I mean, he was razor sharp. And uh, this guy, no one, no one saw this coming. And he committed suicide by gun. And everybody that knew him or knew of him was just like sucker punched in his stomach because no one ever saw that. There was no, no indicators whatsoever. And then a couple years before that, it was an old retired officer who was single and had spent his whole life as, as a Baltimore police and he worked for many, many years. And then when he retired, he took care of his ailing mother and father. They passed away. And then one day he was by himself and he needed to have outpatient knee surgery. And he realized mm-hmm. he had nobody to call mm-hmm. to give him a ride to the doctors to get the surgery or to pick him up. And he killed himself. And that story hit me like a ton of bricks, literally. How many people are out there like that, so isolated and alone, feeling that, that there's no one available for them? And when we heard about this guy, hundreds of us said, he could have called me. I don't know the guy. I would have gone and gotten him. I would have right. driven two hours to give him a ride. Right. It's, it's just unimaginable. And just, I know. And I just, know. And I. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, um, I just wanted to touch base and, and make sure that people are aware that you're not just somebody calling into the show. You're actually a spouse of a law enforcement officer. So uh, you're part of the Blue family. And, and that's why I think for one of many reasons that you're very passionate about the subject. Yes, because my brother-in-law is a police officer, my husband's a police officer, my other brother-in-law is a firefighter, my two nephews want to go into law enforcement, one of them's in the military reserve right now. And I, and I see what's happening and I worry about it, uh, like I said before, coming to my house. And I worry about people's misperception of, of mental trauma, for lack of a better word. And um, I, I made this analogy before, it's, it's like taking drugs and alcohol. So... You know, we are more than happy to take drug addicts to get their methadone, and, and we have these crisis intervention teams for, for the public, and we train police officers to go out and help them with their mental health problems. But we don't train officers to help each other. And what the general public doesn't realize, or somebody who hasn't had contact with mental illness doesn't realize that, you know, you take drugs and alcohol, it changes your mind, it changes your perception, it changes the way you do things. And like I said, we're happy to take these addicts and, and, and have, help them out, right? But mental illness is the same thing to your mind. It takes over your mind. It changes your perception. It changes your reality. And we refuse to accept that, so we refuse to take the officers that need help to, to their clinic to get them help, not not for addiction, but for trauma, because it's you become paranoid, you become scared, you become unreasonable, and we see that and we say, oh, they're angry because they're cops. We don't go, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with him. Let's find out if he's okay. So I've seen enough of it to know that it could become a real problem for people that I love, and and I don't want that to happen. So. I I just feel like I had to do something before it happens to me. And unfortunately, I, I've met too many people that it's happened to. And the number of families and widows and children that I'm in contact with, it, it really becomes overwhelming some days because um, the, the chief who I talked to this morning, he said, what else can we do? And I said, 
you know what you can do? His daughter is seven. You can take her to her first day of school. Don't forget her at Christmas. Don't forget her when she learns to drive. I said, because we see it all the time with other line of duty dads. They take them to the proms. They take them to their first day of school. I go, take that little girl to school when she goes to school. Make sure somebody keeps in touch with her. That's what you can do, you know? And and, and the more we do that, the more we're going to spread the word that it's not okay to die by suicide, but it's okay to support our fellow officers and their families when they do. It's also okay to realize that no one knows what to say. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. like, listen to you say that, I was like, I never would have thought of that. And also, I'm thinking, as as a retired police, they're, they're part of my family too. And if that happened... I would want to reach out, pick up the phone, stop by, do something, but I'd be deep down inside afraid that I'd say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, so that would prevent me from doing anything. Yes, and you know what? It's funny you say that because I do get a lot of people contacting me saying, what can I do? Um, A wife contacted me not too long ago. She said her husband died by suicide. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I said, do the same thing you would do for death. And then I refer them to our website. One of our widows wrote a letter, and it says what not to say to a widow. You know, so don't ask me how my husband died. Don't ask me if I found his body. Don't ask me, you know, if if I saw her coming. Don't ask me if I said something to upset him. You know, do what you would do for anyone else that died. It's, It's a death. Stop worrying about the fact that it's a suicide. Worry about the fact that a human being died. They left behind loved ones. And, and you need to start worrying about what you can do to support that family, not some gruesome questioning about, oh, you know, how did they die? Was it in the garage? Was it in the house? Who cares? And honestly, do you ask that when a person dies of cancer? Did they die at home? Did they die in the hospital? Did they, or a car accident? Was their body on the side of the road or in the middle of the road? You know, who cares? Just just worry about the human factor of the survivors. And, And as far as that retired officer goes that didn't have anybody, Yeah, so I I just want to go back to that for a minute because one of the things that we do is we have this database of resources, and it's called firsthelp1sthelp.net. And what we're doing is working to add more things to it, and and we did have a retired police association contact us this week to tell us what they do for retired officers so that if retired officers contact us for help, we can direct them to them. Because the biggest problem is when they retired or active or injured, most of the guys and, and gals don't know who to go to, to for help. So even if they needed something as small as a ride, if they don't know who to go to, they're not going to ask for help, and it's, it's just not going to end well. They've got to find help. Karen, it's good that some of the chiefs that you've been talking to are, are receptive and open. How do you or suggest or what are you doing for those that or old school, or simply want to brush the the term suicide under the rug and, and don't want to acknowledge that and do anything about it? So I'm working in this stealth mode, um, which is about to become public now. <laughs> oh, oh, my oh we busted you. you, you you've been exposed. <laughs> well, nothing like cover. announcing it on uh, law enforcement today. So uh, there's quite a few of those, and actually we have a widow whose husband's anniversary came and went, and the department didn't do anything. They said they couldn't think of anything. So I had I add those departments to my special mailing list, and that special mailing list gets more emails than my regular mailing list. 
and it gives them links to resources. It gives them links to news articles that are relevant because I'm trying to drill into their head that what they're doing is not okay without telling them it's not okay. So they don't know that they're on this special list. They might now. But when I hear about departments like that, I add them to this mailing list. And I, I just, like I said, I pepper them with relevant stuff that might help them change their mind without calling them out directly. And frankly, nobody's on the it yet. So. Right. Well, I could, so that's I, good. I could tell you um, throughout the 31-year career that I've uh, journeyed through that the perception of officer suicide has changed dramatically because of people like you and and bringing that awareness you know um things that you've discussed today quite frankly i I wasn't aware of and did not know we really appreciate that but there's much more that we can do is there any other suggestions that you can make to those that are looking for help Really, the, the biggest thing you can do is, is obviously ask for help. If you can't ask for help, talk to your spouse, to your friend. The officers that end up talking to people are really quite surprised at how accepting people are of their issue and helping to fix it. If you need confidential help and, and you can't go to your department, there absolutely certainly is confidential help. And one of the messages we're trying to get out is the court case it's a Supreme Court case, Redmond versus Jaffe, that protects a first responder's right to confidentiality when it comes to their mental health. So that's something that every chief should have in their back pocket or any, any proponent, proponent of wellness should have, a knowledge of this court case. So basically what I would say is if you can't get help where you are, go to honorthem.net. There's links to our organization, and we'll find you confidential help, or we can give you a direction to go in. Uh, our intent has not been to be a call center, but unfortunately, we, we seem to be getting more and more of those calls, and, and we are happy to direct you to the people who can help you. We can't help you, but we know who can help you. And 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 the other thing, too, is is if you're listening and, and you know somebody who has issues, don't judge them, please. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. Just be a friend and be supportive and acknowledge the fact that even cops have problems. Tell us again. I don't even know if we mentioned it before. Mina, what are What's your website address and Facebook page and all that information people can get so mm-hmm. many details at? So our Facebook and Twitter page is at L-E, capital L, capital E, honor them. That's our Facebook and our Twitter handle. You can go to honorthem.net. That will show you the names and faces of the officers who died by suicide, all the ones we collected in 2016, all the ones we've collected in 2017 to date, and all the ones in years prior which we are trying to collect. That site will link you to all of our projects. One of our projects, uh, we are, W-E-A-R-E, Blue Help net is our primary page and from there you can link directly to our help search database you can link to honor them you can link to our upcoming conferences uh, you can link to survivor support resources that are available to you so that's that's our primary site we are bluehelp.org Karen thank you so very much for everything you're doing and uh, it's my pleasure. Th- we could talk I say this all the time <laughs> you do. we could talk forever <laughs> and ever and ever there's yeah. so many things that 
it would take you know a couple two hour shows to go in the details so we'll have to have you back in again there's there's so much that people can do one of my big things and robert's big thing is if you know an officer a retired officer who's isolated who's like withdrawn from everybody else do your part to try to bring them back into your fold socialize go out to dinner you know just have a night out where you can reconnect a bit you can do tremendous amount of good it's not going to solve it's not a miracle thing it's not going to solve all the problems but reach out to people you know are struggling and, and don't let them isolate if they want to if they push you away you know get involved we have to have you back when you have conferences coming up uh please let us know uh, we can publicize for you if you have someone that wants to come on and talk about what they've been through we, we would love to make that platform available to them as well great thank you very much karen we really appreciate it my pleasure. That was Karen Rodwell Solomon from Honor Them. Robert lined that one up, and I'm going to tell you, brother, you hit it out of the park again. Well, she's phenomenal, and you can tell how passionate she is about it, too. And it's just another uh, somebody in the family, in the blue family, that, that's trying to help out our brothers and sisters and all first responders. Karen strikes me as you said, passion is a type of person you're not going to say, no, that can't be done to. Right. She'll be like, oh, yeah, watch me show you how it's done. Well, it was really interesting how this she met, metamorphosed into this because she was a book writer writing about the struggles. Her husband's a police officer. And then behind the curtain come some of our brothers and sisters and are reaching out about reaching out to her and saying, hey, you know, you're telling all these great stories, but. I'm struggling here. I need help. Right. There's she, a lot of a lot of tough stories. And she pivots, and now she's uh, spending her time helping those that need help, which is awesome. You know what's really amazing, or I think really unique, is it's so easy to say there's a problem. Somebody should do something. Karen says there's a problem, and that someone is going to do something is going to be me. It is pretty awesome. And I'm going to find people like me that are saying, I want to do something, and we're, we're joining forces, and we're doing something about the problems of just criticizing. And the moral of the story today, or the moral of the show today is, is we are human, regardless if you're a police officer, fireman, or you're not a first responder. If you need help, there's help out there, and Karen is providing the resources for you to find that help. And it doesn't matter how brave, tough, heroic you may or may not be, when it happens... Go get some help. How many lives do you have to live? And how much time in your life, time you can never get back, do you want to suffer? For those who don't make the ultimate solution to a temporary problem. Right. Get some help. Talk to somebody. Isn't it profound? We've done, what, thirty, almost 30 shows right now. And it's a show like this that we're not really thinking about the reach, meaning that somebody that's listening right now, you and I and Karen could affect his or her life. And that's the the scenario you played out, the dead officer, retired officer in Baltimore who had an outpatient knee surgery. Now, granted, he didn't commit suicide because he had no one to call. That was just the icing on the cake for his isolation. Right. I'm not in Baltimore anymore. We're in South Florida. We're in Palm Beach County. If you're an officer in Palm Beach County, Broward County, St. Lucie County, and and you're isolated like that, and you need a ride to the hospital for surgery, and you're thinking you're all alone, brother, contact us. And if I can't get there, we'll find somebody that'll get there. And not only a ride, if you need somebody to talk to. Just to to talk to. Jay and I love to talk, and we're good listeners. 
Well, we're better talkers than we are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we got together with friends, with other uh, police, and went out to dinner one night, and it was like four hours of just talking. And it We've was a, never met before, and it's like we've known each other our entire lives. Very good time. And, the, and you'll be hearing we're going to be doing some things about that down the road. We don't want to. very special yeah, coming up. Coming up. Big. So you better stay tuned. And like I said, if you need help out there, regardless of what it is, please reach out. And I don't want to use that stupid. Well, it's it's stupid. The media, because I'll sound like the media right now. If you see something, say something. You know that term that they're look. If you know when officer is struggling and you say instead of just snickering and uh, he's drinking too much, he's doing that. Shit, look, talk to him. If you really Maybe encourage him to go see somebody. You know, so it, we should end it on this note. If you really got into law enforcement because you want to make a difference and you want to help people, this is a perfect example of what you said. Don't be snickering or making fun of somebody or bullying the weaker officer in the room. Do something. It's your obligation. It's not only your human right to do something. It's what, what you got into law enforcement to do. We would go through hell and high water for what we call a signal 13 which is an officer needs assistance. Right. And that was one that was really, really bad. It, nothing would stop us from getting there. And there's officers right now, active and retired, that need your assistance. And they're sending out quiet signal 13s and, and people quiet. are ignoring them. Quiet. Don't ignore them. Go talk to that officer. Go talk to that person. Make yourself available. And encourage them all the time. to go. Hey, talk to someone who really can help. I, I can't help. I can just tell you what I've been through. You know, sometimes I'm not a psychiatrist. Sometimes I'm not that's a therapist. Help if somebody can relate to what you've been through, and that, and that's what it's all about. A lot of cops, and we know some specifically that only feel at home when they're with other officers, just because they feel that they can relate to them about and those scenarios. That, yeah, and if that's your spiel and your deal, then by all means, reach out to a fellow officer. There's somebody out there, and somebody that can help you. Period. Speaking of reaching out, if someone wants to be a guest on a show or they've got topics or suggestions, what do they do? can either contact us on Facebook at Law Enforcement Today, our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. At the bottom of the page is a contact us. Just go down, click on it, fill out the information. Another simpler way is just contact uh, Jay or myself through our emails. It's jay at lawenforcementtoday.com, robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. Folks, we're very accessible. You hear us every week you know where we're on facebook and we really appreciate you uh supporting us and one last thing uh, i get this question a lot and I, I say it a lot on on facebook instagram and our websites everybody wants to help us out and what they need to do is when we're talking or posting something like it and share it like folks. it and share it like it and share it share this app if you're listening to the app share it with your friends if you don't have the app yet download it from our website lawenforcementtoday.com and take us with you everywhere you go Another great show. Thank, Thank you, you Jay. Robert. And until next time, on behalf of everyone associated with Law Enforcement Today, I'm John J. Wiley. See ya.